This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit nicuconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. So in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, there was a paper called Antibiotic Prophylaxis in Infants with Grade 3, 4, or 5 Vesicoureteral Reflux from the PREDICT study group. It's a European cohort of physicians. And, um, and what's interesting is that they're asking a very interesting question that is very pertinent to us in the NICU. They're saying, does continuous antibiotic prophylaxis would be effective in preventing the occurrence of a first symptomatic UTI and would avert secondary kidney damage in infants with grade 3, 4, or 5 VUR. VUR is vesicoureteral reflux. I'm not going to do that every single time. It's painful. And no previous UTIs, right? And so you can read the background and you can read the discussion. I think um, I'm going to go over the, the methods and I'll tell you a little bit why they did what they did. So this is a phase three multi-centered prospective randomized open label trial that was performed in 39 European centers. They included patients who were one to five months of age that had VUR grade three, four, or five assessed by VCUG or voiding ultrasonography. They had to have a gestational age of 35 weeks or more and uh, an estimated uh, GFR or um, uh, of uh, 15 ml per minute or more per 1.73 meter square of body surface area. But the key here is that they never had to have a UTI before. And they were trying to create a cohort that was representative of infants with high-grade VUR with associated kidney and hypodysplasia and no previous UTIs. They go over some of the history that's going behind that. A lot of the studies that have looked at antibiotic prophylaxis for VUR and how um, this was usually done in patients that were uh, screened and found to have uh, an initial UTI, they said, we want to take the most at-risk population. So it's not like the ones that have a low-grade VUR. We want the highest-grade VURs, people who've never had a UTI. And we're going to see how good this prophylaxis is. And not having had a symptomatic UTI before is, is quite an interesting uh, added variable there. They excluded infants with previous UTI with um, posterior urethral valve, neurogenic bladder, or UPJ or UVJ obstruction. So what did they do? The study participants were randomly assigned in a one-to-one fashion to either receive continuous antibiotic, meaning uh, antibiotic every day, uh, or no treatment for two years. 
and they looked at these infants for two years. The antibiotic choice were selected based on the local E. coli resistance pattern and included uh, nitrofurantoin, amoxicillin, clavulanic acid, cefixime, trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, Bactrim, and uh, the doses are in the paper. They were not, they were not surprising. The, the antibiotic is administered uh, in a single daily dose with the option for the patient to change to a different antibiotic if there's like unacceptable side effects, obviously. After a first UTI, if a first UTI were to happen, the prophylaxis could be modified uh, among one of the four possible options based on the sensitivities and really in order to prevent uh, further uh, growth of resistance organisms. They were monitored from baseline and then at 4, 8, 12, 18 and 24 months. The primary outcome of the study is that the occurrence of a first symptomatic UTI, so will will antibiotic prophylaxis prevent a UTI during the 24-month trial? The secondary outcome were how many UTIs you got in the 24-month period, whether they were kidney scarring. That's been a big topic of discussion. Does that prevent kidney injury? Then they looked at estimated GFR at 24 months. They looked at the causative organisms, antibiotic resistance of the UTI isolates, and serious adverse events. The big question everybody's going to have is, what is a symptomatic UTI, Ben? A symptomatic UTI is basically the concomitant presence of acute symptoms. So you have fever, you're not well, loss of appetite, and leukocyte esterates or nitrites on urinalysis and a positive urine culture. People are going to say, what is a positive urine culture, Ben? <laughs> the positive urine culture is a growth from, uh, so either any growth of anything on a suprapubic aspirate or but suprapubic aspirin yeah yeah. so they have depending on how you got the urine they'll give you different criteria so if it's suprapubic any growth will be considered positive if you are getting a catheter a catheter sample then it is the growth of a single organism to at least ten thousand colony forming units per ml if you are doing a a midstream voided sample then you need a hundred thousand cfu per millimeter uh bag specimens i love it it when you ask yourself a question (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, just so you know, I'm, I'm I'm making fun here, but these are the questions that, like, as you're reading through the methods, I know, have, I know how you think. You're like, that would be my question. Yeah. So. <laughs> as you read, you like, they better define a positive. I know this bit of big topic. <laughs> the bagged specimens were not allowed. So, mm-hmm. from 2013 to 2020, 867 infants were screened. 292 went underwent randomization. About 150 in each group. The uh, though, um, sorry. The midstream is an interesting collection. <laughs> yeah, but you have to remember, uh, that's true, but you have to remember that there are five months. And so I've seen it done. So like if you have Still. like, I know, but you know, I've seen like- Yeah, it's in, possible. Yeah. I've seen it done in the ER where, especially in boys, it's quite easy. And then you just let a bit of urine come out and then you catch it. You could catch it with a cup midstream if the baby is cooperative enough. So I don't see it as completely, but anyway. You know, uh, five well, months older known to be cooperative. You never know if they're sick. If they're sick, it's the sad reality that, uh, yeah, that's the first thing you learn as an intern in pediatrics is that the more cooperative the patient, the more scared you should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the infants were at a at recruitment. The median age was three and a half months. Um, 80.5% of the participant had grade four or five VURs and 48.3% had bilateral VUR. Focal congenital defects were identified in about 28% of the population on baseline DMSA DMSA scan. Um, Congenital kidney defects were not associated with the grade of reflux. And before enrollment, 51% had received previous antibiotic prophylaxis. 
they go over how much received which one you can look into it like i said we have a lot of papers to go over in terms of the primary outcome this is where we get into the interesting things a first symptomatic uti occurred in 21.2 percent of the patients who went on the went prophylaxis and 35.6 percent in the untreated group that was statistically significant difference but pay attention as they do in the in the in the as they do in the discussion about not just the difference, but that means that in the prophylaxis group, 80% never got a UTI. And in the and in the control group, about 65 to 70% never got a UTI. So not just the difference in the babies or children that got a UTI, but in the proportion of infants who really never developed a UTI. And the, and the rule of thumb here is that despite these babies being, to be honest, the primed patients to be at the most risk, most of them never got a UTI in the 24 months after birth. So that's, yeah, that's great news. That's interesting. Urine cultures were collected by midstream in 59% of cases and by catheter in 41% of cases. UTI-free survival was not influenced by the type of antibiotic used. In terms of more stuff, sex was a strong predictor of the first UTI with male patients having a hazard ratio of 0.46. And um, yet when they controlled for sex, continuous antibiotic prophylaxis was still associated with the primary outcome. The number needed to treat to uh, prevent one UTI within two years was seven. So it's not insignificant, you know? Seven patients have to be treated to prevent one UTI. Now, let's look at some of these other outcomes because then this is really where it gets interesting. So the total number of UTIs, there were less UTIs during the 24-month trial in the group that received prophylaxis compared to the untreated group. The difference was 60 versus 79. And interesting, interestingly, for participants that had one or two UTIs, it was more common to see that in the untreated group. But when we were looking at the participant that had three or more then this was suddenly more prevalent in the group that received antibiotic prophylaxis. So for those kids that were receiving antibiotic prophylaxis, it almost looks like it did not matter uh, because they kept getting those UTI. The one aspect that was interesting also was the new kidney scars. And so data at both baseline and 24 months was available in 84% of the study participants. And at 24 months, um, um, new uh, kidney defects were identified in 21 participants in the prophylaxis group compared to 17 in the untreated group. And that was not statistically significant. Interestingly wow. enough, the number of new lesions was independent of the occurrence of UTIs during the trial period. New defects, new defects were seen in about 19% of the patient who had no UTI and 19% of patients who had at least one UTI. So it looks like the prevention of like making sure that you prophylax these these kids so that they mm -hmm. don't get a UTI will make no difference as to whether they'll have renal scarring. So that's yeah, and I didn't, I didn't like that information. That even if you even if they're prophylaxed, they get renal I'm, scarring. And how many? Twenty percent. That's a I'm, lot. Yeah. I'm gonna well, twenty percent of the ones who had no UTI and nineteen percent of the ones who had at least one. So yeah, yeah very similar. I'm just going to finish quickly because I'm almost done. The estimated GFR, the data was available in 94% at 24 months, and this was similar between the two groups. Um, the antibiotic resistance, there was an interesting differences that were noted between the prophylaxis and the untreated group in the organisms that grew uh, from the urine. E. coli, Klebsiella species, and Proteus species were more commonly found in the ones that were untreated, but Pseudomonas infection 
and an increase in non uh, in non uh, E. coli uh, isolates were observed in the patients who received prophylaxis. So definitely impacted your um, your flora there. Resistance to at least two first-line antibiotics was present in 52% of the mm. children who were received prophylaxis compared to only 17% in the untreated group. No serious adverse events really reported, uh, no difference in the serious adverse event reported between the two groups. The conclusion is are that uh, they found a small but significant benefit of primary continuous antibiotic prophylaxis in preventing a first UTI in infants with VUR and without preceding UTIs. And the big question is, is it worth two years of antibiotic exposure to prevent uh, 20% of a very high-risk population. So think about this, right? The kid who had uh, the kid who have mild reflux, so don't have too much, like, are you going to prophylax them for the first two years considering the degree of antibiotic resistance? That is a fascinating question, and I'm curious to see how guidelines are going to change with respect to that. Well, I didn't pull up the guidelines, but I think they already have changed. There's like so many, Daphna. There's the pe- <laughs> the pediatricians have their guidelines. The, That's the true. nephrologists have the, their guidelines. There's not a lot of consensus. Yeah, and everybody about- is bickering about this because, well, the pediatricians don't care about renal scarring. The nephrologists care about renal scarring, and it's like <laughs> uh, that's why I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm and you know, we have this habit, and it happens in the ICU, right? That you're like. Uh, antibiotics, no antibiotics. I would rather prevent infection, but but we we're not thinking about we do in the NICU. I think do a pretty balanced job of thinking about the long term effects. But I, I'm finding in the community that that is becoming less and less. I mean, common, when you think you know? when you think about not prophylaxis for patients who have grade three, four, or five reflux, and you're telling me that 70-something percent are never going to have a UTI in the first two years, yeah. I would have not suspected that. I would have suspected yeah. the number to be much higher. And then it makes you wonder, do we even need to do this on a on a system-wide basis? Like, oh, you got a grade four. We got yeah. to give you prophylaxis for two years. I don't know. Does that change after two years? To be honest, mm. I'm a neonatologist. That's not my problem. <laughs> That's somebody else. There's like some, some, some adult (laughs) doctors are going to work on that when they turn three years old. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast or the Apple podcast website. You can find other episodes of the incubator and new shows from the incubator network on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcast, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you. So feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address. NICUPodcast at gmail.com or by visiting our website www.the-incubator.org You can also message the show on Instagram or X, formerly known as Twitter, at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.